0: Welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast. As always, we're cracking open a fresh new edition of the show. And for those listening, that's a Pepsi Zero Sugar. I Sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll have a tall boy while recording this show, but not this time.
1: <laughs> I'm drinking a LaCroix right now.
0: There you go. So a little bit healthier than my decision, but... Hey, zero sugar, that'll work. (laughs) So, for this episode, an MLB preview, this 60-game MLB COVID-shortened season. We went up to the attic and brought in Kirk Ross from a talk in the attic. He's in his attic right now. Welcome to the show, Kirk.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, Tom.
0: Definitely. So, I've talked with, you know, many podcasts i've talked about the story that is how i began with my career that is and i always tell people that i took over for the essexville jaguars and trenton robinson was in the booth but the guy that i took over for in the pa then the pa booth was this man that i have on the show right now kirk ross so in your perspective tell us about um the story of the beginning of my career
1: Okay, so 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 you're basically saying, let's talk about Tom Green as a kid, right? Yes. And my mother, who was a longtime educator at uh, Tom and my mutual school, which, you know, shout out to Kramer Junior High, came oh,
0: yeah. to me
1: in, I don't know, I guess it probably was the mid-2000s. You're 25, right? Yeah,
0: it was 2007.
1: Okay, so 2007. That means I was in college. I was about to graduate yeah. Yeah, from S B S 2006,
0: yep. actually, because you were about to graduate from Garber. You were a senior.
1: No, no, no! I no, I was about to move on. I was already at Saginaw Valley. I graduated okay. in '03. Yeah, okay. so, but so you know, I was I'd already quit from playing football at Saginaw Valley, where I played for a couple years. I was doing the public address announcing for the the youth football league in our area, which my parents founded and ran. And my mom came up to me and said, "Turkey, you know." You're gonna get ready, ready to hang up the mic, and I've got just the kid. She said, "You know, his name is Tommy Green. I, you we must have gone by Tommy Green back then. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, his name is Tommy Green, and I've got. He's such a nice young man. He's an old soul, and he's so singularly focused on his dream of being a sports commentator. So that was kind of my my introduction to you, and. I was at the time the games that day were at a pretty large stadium at Bay City Central. In Angle area.
0: Stadium, which is which was voted as the most beautiful high school stadium in Michigan as of last year, I believe.
1: It is really cool. I mean, there, there's a lot of state. I'm out in West Michigan now, and there are a lot more stadiums here, but they're all kind of so new and, and flashy. What's cool mm-hmm. about that Angle Stadium in Bay City is you know you, it's really historic. Um, mm-hmm. It has a very historic feeling, but so so that day we're at Angle Stadium. We're announcing the games. I was, I had been doing it for, since I was about your age, which was 13 at the time. Yeah. And, you know, so I was ready. It had been 10 years. I was ready to be done with college and to move into my career. And you showed up and I remember you had a clipboard, and a book, and a bunch of pencils, and at this point, we were really flying by the seat of our pants up in the booth, because we were doing it so long, and really just at that point, just trying to make jokes to see if anyone even was even listening to us, was part of our plan, and sometimes they were, and sometimes they weren't, but you got there, and you were just so ready, and so professional about it, and you're you're short at the time, compared to me, I'm 6'3", a big-ass kid, and you know, you were just like, just it was so endearing man as soon as i saw you and talked to you your voice is basically what it is now probably a little bit higher but you had the same kind of presence about you and i knew right when i met you exactly what what my mom was talking about so and i'm so glad dude i was was so glad when i saw you on linkedin a couple years ago to see that you converted that young focus into a real career and that you haven't gotten sidetracked from that's really it's really inspiring so good work
0: I, and as people have seen, I've remained that prepared. I, I was. It actually surprised me a bit that you had told me that it was kind of fly by the seat of your pants there, because I thought you guys had rosters and everything. And here, and here I come with with all the preparations. Oh, we had rosters.
1: We, yeah. we had rosters, but I think you were you had like some talking points prepared. Knowing you, you probably had some. You know, you were probably had done some research on the players' home lives. <laughs> these are like four 13 year old kids that was cool too you were i thought it was cool that you were announcing your peers
0: yes that was that was another thing is that going through high school i got to announce the pa for the people that i went to school with and which cool. e- even now it's now in 2020 that i've been doing garber pa for years people have grown in the school hearing my voice announcing their yeah. their peers
1: it's really just like a long it's like a get rich slow program where you've just kind of been working your voice into their heads since before they even realized it and now in due time they're gonna be buying your sports novels or whatever it is that you can ultimately do.
0: Hopefully and hopefully in times to come we'll see that. And then and Kurt can attest to this. When Trenton was in the booth, Trenton Robinson.
1: Yeah, we didn't know. He was, a, he was a little guy. I think he was up there just helping, too, that day. He was a and senior, yes. Yeah, yeah. and he I, I, he was pretty – I mean, I'm not saying he, the kid ended up being such a stud, but he was pretty scrawny at that point still. He put on a lot of weight, you know, when he got a little bit older, even into a couple years into Michigan State. But uh, I was so happy to see that he – he was a nice kid, and I was so happy to see that he had some success, a lot of success.
0: Of course. So you can attest to this when I tell people I tried to convince him to go to Michigan.
1: I do remember. I think you had a block and hat on as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I took, Dude, What
1: happened? He, he just well. That was the rich. Was that the Rich Rod era? I mean, that was
0: right before Rich Rod took over. So we know what happened them. with Trenton Robinson. But still, I tried to convince Trenton to go to Michigan.
1: That, I do remember that. I, that's actually part of the story that I had jotted down a few things I remember, and that was one of the things I wrote down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that's what I always tell people. I I tried to get Trenton to go to Michigan, but we obviously know how that went because his class was the only class to have swept Michigan in football.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you honestly were giving him some of the worst career advice. He's probably on a podcast right now saying, this kid, this 13-year-old kid was trying to tell me to make the worst football decision in my life. I'm so glad I didn't listen to him. I wonder what he's doing now.
0: I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if Trenton did say that on a podcast.
1: You should get him on the show.
0: Now that would be something else. Hopefully, hopefully it'll reach out that far. This, this show. So, so we talked about how I got into this field. Now we're going to talk to talk about a different field, which is Major League Baseball. And that Wait
1: a is, minute. Tom. I yeah. don't want to move on yet. I'm sorry. Sure. I know this is your show. I'm used to oh, running sure. my own show, so I probably feel like a like I'm kind of running the show. I'm not trying to. It's your deal. Ah, it's all right. uh, I'm so appreciative that you're on the show, but that you sure. having me on the show, but you're aware of who I took over that that program from right
0: honestly i'm not i mean your your dad was the coach
1: no no but i I, the when i was playing when my dad started that league when we were of the playing age so obviously um, i like to consider myself a jack of all trades but i certainly wasn't playing on the field and then also running up at the booth and announcing at the same time so when we were playing our announcer was john paul morosi
0: i did not know this
1: yeah, and so John Paul Rossi and his friends, Kyle O'Neill and some other kids like that. All many, all of Kyle O'Neill is a sports information guy, I think, at Michigan, or at least was for a while. John Paul Rossi ultimately landed at Harvard, where he got an environmental policy degree, but has spent his whole career writing about and talking about baseball. So it's, you know, honestly, I'm the only one in, in of that legacy that uh, hasn't made a real name for himself yet in the in the sports media. Landscape, so good on you, man. But yeah, I think we all a little bit of a shout out to John Paul too on that.
0: Of course, John, if you're listening, you're more than welcome on the show, and we've we we have the bridge between the two gaps here with with Kirk between, of course, John and myself. If that if that makes sense, <laughs>
1: John, if you if you come on Tom's show after that bogus excuse you gave me, where you said the MLB and whatever contractually says you can't come on any other shows, and if you go on Tom's show, there's gonna be. The extreme there's gonna be some sort of fisticuffs not not physical confrontation of course but uh, maybe a mean text or something
0: i get it because that's that's the thing i've run into it trying to get profe- or people more into the professional ranks is contracts and stipulations yeah. and it's like we we just want to talk sports
1: what i want to try and do is convince john paul to come on as like paul john or something he doesn't have to be john Paul i see you know, and we don't have to talk about uh, how many wins the Cardinals are going to have. Frankly, I'm not that interested in that. I want to talk about his life. You know, so uh, let's make it happen, Tom. You and I, let's double team John Paul. Maybe even get him fired from MLB Network uh, in order to get him on the show. Well, let's do whatever it takes.
0: There we go. Go back into it. <laughs> go back into his high school quarterback records and expose them.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not. He, he's best known as a Harvard grad who is doing good things in the sports world. We don't really need to talk about his, uh, his win-loss record as a quarterback.
0: Which he, he's mentioned before on his Twitter. That's the only reason why I mention it. So, <laughs> he, had the there you a, go.
1: he had the heart of a champion, though. And the legs of a not-a-champion.
0: <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> definitely a good point made by you there, Kirk. So, with John, hopefully... Well, even if he has to come as the alias Paul John, you're welcome on the show. (laughs) So, uh, moving to MLB, um, you had told me that you hadn't really been in the game since 2014, but you had some stories about the MLB. Tell us about them.
1: Okay, well, I think in my professional and personal lives, I'm 35, I've finally learned that it's important to set the expectations right up front, right?
0: Yeah, so I will also add that you, you... you may or may not have been divorced and you live in a van down by the river? Is that correct?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I've been divorced uh Because you, you,
0: you said you were 35, so you got that going.
1: Yeah, I am so...
0: 35 years old, <laughs> I am divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. Smoking reefer! <laughs>
1: you won't okay, so... amount to jack squat! <laughs> In order to keep the expectations, you know, level set with the listeners, look, this is going to be the dynamic today. Tom, you're Mario and Pemba. I'm Rod Allen. Okay. And this analogy works in a couple ways. First, (laughs) it works because you've got all the research facts. You're the analyst. And meanwhile, I'm the color commentator with, you know, like uh, anecdotal information only, even inaccurate, even. Uh, But secondly, it works much like Rod Allen because I stopped paying attention to the Tigers in Maybe, really stopped paying attention in 2018. That was when I kind of was over it altogether. For me, it was a conscious decision so that I could focus on some personal improvement and some passion projects in my career. But for Rod, as most of you know, he got into a physical altercation with his partner Mario. And today, I promised Tom, that that won't happen.
0: Well, th- uh, thankfully, we're <laughs> over the phone. So even <laughs> even if, but I'm certain that that's not going to happen. But yeah, as, as for that, it was... It may have even been bad on Fox Sports Detroit's part to keep them there all those years, because if they had so much tension,
1: and they weren't finally... friends at all, yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard, I read somewhere that they only in all those years, like sixteen or whatever, however many years they they worked together, they only had like dinner on the road a few times. <laughs> you know, like that's pretty wild. They're together a lot to not just like kind of become friends.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Even at WLEW now is. The place isn't quite where I want to be, but I've been ma- I've been trying to make good relationships out of it. I mean, my supervisor and I are, are pretty good. Um, the guy that all I right. work with, second shifts, channeler, we get along pretty well. I try I try to <clears throat> I try to make sure that we're all on the same page because if we love it or if we don't, we all got to get through this together. So why not make the best of it?
1: That's a good attitude. Plus, it, in in the media world you kind of mentioned it with Mario and Rod but it's really evident and obvious when there's bad chemistry.
0: Exactly. And when when that happens it turns off listeners and honestly ever since like 2015 at first I loved Mario and Rod and about 2014 2015 I was like, you know, these guys are kind of growing on me. I'm kind of done with this. And sure <laughs> enough, they uh, sure enough 3 years later I was right. <laughs>
1: Were you were you old enough to have participated in the Rod Allen drinking game? I probably not.
0: You're no, because I yeah I turned twenty one <laughs> in twenty sixteen. So,
1: <laughs> well, you can. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, Tom. Uh, I'm not encouraging this, but you can drink before that age. You're just not supposed to. But but <laughs> Rod Allen used to say, you know, you'd have all these things that you would repeat. And back in, like, the 06, the the World Series run, the Leland days, you know, he really got into a groove where he would say, like, talk about how Pudge is just down there having fun. And if if he said that, you had to take four drinks. (laughs) Uh, You know, the the Holy Grail was when they would telecast that infamous charging of the mound when Rod was playing in Japan in the 80s. You've seen that, I'm sure. (laughs) uh, If if that were to happen, you know, you essentially were just you you start boozing. Um, There was one that was general silliness, which... Was discretionary, but if there was general silliness out of Rod, you took a drink. I only bring this up because today in our discussion, since I'm Rod, Rod Allen, I will certainly be working to bring lots of uh, general silliness to the table.
0: And of course, the the I say the king of that drinking game, which I've never really seen before, was when. When Rod Allen would say, Marcus Thames is country strong, then... Oh, then country
1: strong was a five-drinker, for sure. Yeah, then,
0: then you just drink the whole fifth. I mean, then, then yeah. you're done.
1: The one that I always really liked, it was some of the subtle ones, where it was uh, drink, you know, whatever, three drinks, if Rod Allen refers to Kenny Rogers' veteran impact on an otherwise young staff or something like that. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Verlander was like a, yeah. basically a rookie. Hey, right, Kenny Rogers had already thrown down that cameraman and shit, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. and but they, they were talking about, back in 06, Kenny Rogers and his anger management before. As I would notice that. I would notice that right away when I started watching Tigers baseball regularly. Because that's kind of the first year I started really watching was They were 06. so good. That was such
1: a magical year.
0: Because I knew that they had a new manager, Jim Leland, and it was just the attitude was just different on that team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, we can talk about the Tigers. Uh, That's really where where my wheelhouse is. But, you know, I thought the Osmus hiring was kind of a bad hire. And I think Garden Hire would have been available back in the original Osmus hire, right? Or was close. It was maybe just the first year off of the Twins. But I I think Garden Hire is the right guy. I I like his disposition.
0: Yes. at, At first, when Osmus got hired, I thought. Okay, they're taking a chance. A former catcher, so I could see this working, but I could also see this not working. So I was kind of in the middle in that hire, and then it just the wheels just slowly fell off, and it's like, yep, yep, yeah. this was not this was not the right hire. It's time. And Garden hire, Garden hire is a great hire for this team. It's just the fact that they're in the rebuild mode. There, that maybe a lot of Tigers fans may misinterpret how Garden hire has led this team but Gardenhire, hire is obviously much better manager than brad osmus it's just a matter of can can he get this rebuilding squad ready before before the pressure gets to him yeah or he retires
1: yeah i feel like uh, most of his best work with the twins were not exactly with super impressive rosters and he spent a fair amount of his time there rebuilding so he's able to handle it it's just so long as the in the current day, there's so much pressure from the public, social media, and all this other stuff to get results now, but it's just unrealistic. I mean, the Tigers have... It's a 60-game season. I've heard all about the anything-can-happen narratives, and trust me, as a Tigers fan, I want to believe that anything can happen, but the Tigers are going to get... They're going to be in the bottom of their division, near the bottom of their division this year, most likely. You know, and I think to expect other than that would be kind of setting yourself up for disappointment, but I, I kind of had... Fun following along a little bit in the last couple of years, you know, not as intimately, but just kind of seeing the young players, no-name players coming up. It's kind of fun, you know.
0: hmm And of course, this will excite you. Even, of course, back when we had first met, I was watching Tigers religiously. I still pretty much do, even even when they're terrible. So yeah, oh
1: yeah.
0: Frank, <laughs> kind of not a surprise for you that well, you got
1: under- to understand, Tom. When you started as, as little Tommy Green watching the 05, 06 Tigers, you didn't have to sit through the, the, the super lean years that I went through when I was that age. You know, I mean, Mickey Tettleton, the, the last time the Tigers were really good was like in the mid-early 90s, 92, 93, and... They had Mickey Tettleton. They started out like 35 and 5 again one of those years. The same record they started out in 84, which incidentally, I was born in 84 Rate right mm-hmm. as the Tigers were winning the World Series. And the, the honest truth is that I was named after Kirk Gibson and Alan Trammell. Or Kirk Allen Ross is my name because my parents were a huge baseball fans. So, you know, I had no choice but to be around the Tigers during all those years. And, uh, you finally got a taste of that, you know, in 2014, 15, 16, where things started to fall off a little bit. But you'll stick through it. Oh yeah, you need to. You need to for work too. So
0: that's true, and it's frustrating with the bullpen too, which we Detroit has not had a top half of the uh, of the league bullpen stati- statistic saying since two thousand, and in two thousand they were ranked fourteenth.
1: I can't believe they had a top bullpen in two thousand. That must have been because they were getting lots, lots of long relief out of guys. Because their starting starting pitching was bad back then.
0: Yeah. Wasn't it? Who was I, their I
1: mean, two thousand?
0: I believe that was around the time Jeff Weaver and Steve Sparks were Bonderman there.
1: was the coming up as a young kid still, and maybe mm. Nate Robertson. Oh boy. Those were tough years. Those very tough, tough years.
0: Very <laughs> tough years. But they're but they're <laughs> So there's kind of your problem with Detroit is the bullpen, of course. Now, of course, Gardy in Minnesota has had <clears throat> has had great teams out of of darn near no namers. I won't say I won't say they're entirely yeah. no namers. I mean, you had Mauer and Morneau. Johan Santana was your top starter, and of course his his CC. old uh, yeah. his old reliable was every day Eddie Guardado. <laughs>
1: no, exactly. You remember they used to call him <laughs> Garden Higher in the Piranhas or something because they had that turf deal.
0: again called. The Minnesota yeah. Twins, the Piranhas.
1: They just hit those little bouncing, you know, little chop outs that most and every other field would be an easy ground out, and they had they beat them out for little infield singles. You know, I, I think the bullpen conversation is interesting though, because in the I, I've seen some really bad bullpens do well in the playoffs and win World Series too. You know, and and the top bullpens have also won the World Series. Like I could think of the Red Sox a few years ago, mm-hmm. that was like an incredible when they had uh, a Japanese guy coming out, it was Koji a no name
0: guy. Yep.
1: Yeah. You know, he, like, tried out for – they did, like, an open tryout at college. It was the first time he ever even played baseball, that kid. Um, He, like, tried out for soccer and baseball, and he made the baseball team and figured out how to throw. And five years later, he's pitching, you know, getting multiple saves in the World Series. But I think when you watch a team intimately, you're talking about the stats, so I appreciate that. But even when the Tigers were winning close to 100 games – the bullpen was always the problem for them, but I think that the bullpen of any position in sports is really built on mo- mainly starting pitchers that at some point were deemed unable to, to have the, the stuff. They didn't possess the stuff to go for five, six, seven innings. But, so it's kind of a position on failure, honestly. And I'm Sangry. not discounting it. Now it's become more specialty and all this, and those guys yeah. are all impressive. I'm not throwing shade at all. Right. But it's not exactly it, – there's a lot of good teams that hate their bullpen. You know, anytime you watch it closely, there's a lot of games that get won and lost in the last couple innings, and that's because bullpen struggle a lot. It's a hard job, too.
0: It is. Shane, um, Shane Green is definitely one of those one of those pitchers. Started out with the Yankees and started well. Got traded yeah. to Detroit. Was a starter. Fizzled out. Became the became the top notch closer. And of course, because because Detroit's of uh, Detroit's rebuild, he got traded to Atlanta for a couple right. of prospects.
1: Yeah, Sugar Shane. I, I met him a couple times. Uh, I used to be part of this West Michigan White Caps uh, fundraiser every year. And I would go on behalf of my company and we'd, every table – that you, each company would buy a table and send people. And every table had the opportunity to sit with someone, And one of, some of, the, one of the tigers that was there. And one year we got Sugar Shane. He was kind of arrogant, actually. Um, he looked really cool. He was like fashionable and all the girls wanted to kiss him, but he was kind of mean. Um, but then the next year – who was, dude? Who was the closer that we had a few years ago? He wasn't a closer. He was a, but dude, it was just hilarious because we were all at the time, all j- just drinking, crushing beers, and some of the other tables because it's West Michigan, were kind of dry tables. So he was getting all these texts from people like, dude, have your, have that guy. It was me. Have the guy go, come, get, bring me some beers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is super funny. Oh boy, yeah, that's <laughs> that that that's definitely fun times. Um, Shane. Yeah. I went to uh, Tiger Fest back in 2018, and I actually got to meet Shane Green. And was he I, nice? um, he was he was pretty nice to me, uh, probably because it was one of those social media dugout some, you know, it was the social yeah. media dugout things. And I had said to him uh, that the same thing that I had said to a lot of my peers, and that is, if he's good, he's related to me. If he if he's not good, he's not related to me.
1: <laughs> he's got that E on the end. That's really a differentiator. So but, I, I'm a little. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm a little surprised you didn't ask him if he was related to me, because <laughs> you probably didn't I, well, even remember.
1: You guys are built a You guys are built very similarly.
0: <laughs> he's about six inches <laughs> taller than myself because I'm only five nine.
1: <laughs> he's tall, yeah. He's tall and More like a string bean. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, those years when we when you first started watching with Zamaya, you know, that they, they had some they, Fernando Rodney. They, those guys yep. were all explosive arms. You know, they had power arms, and sometimes that would result in. Blown saves, but you know, or it if was you're, always Zim- or if you're Zumaya,
0: yeah, Todd Jones too. Or if you're Zumaya, <laughs> yeah. you just throw your arm out after a year and a half.
1: Dude, he he threw so hard that he broke his elbow just by throwing a ball. I mean, that's pretty. The amount of force that that must have required.
0: Yeah, that, that <laughs> wow, <laughs> 106 <laughs> miles an hour. Where it was yeah. that? Aroldis Chapman, but still over a, over 100 miles an hour every time. It's like whoa. Is that, yeah. did I see smoke?
1: Did I Dude, see actual
0: smoke come out of his arm?
1: <laughs> you know how, like, if, if we we just were talking about how starters who don't necessarily make up the right composition to start, you know, long-term in the big leagues end yeah. up getting relegated to the relief position. What about guys like Samaya who aren't even really physically responsible enough to pitch a whole inning because of how hard they throw? You know, are those guys just going to become, like, two-pitch type guys? Is that where we're going to head to?
0: It's it's a possibility. I mean, you you have Earl as Chapman, who is more of a two pitch guy, and he's been able to stick in the league for a while, but he's been able to control it better than Zumaya yeah. has. But
1: he, he had a little bit. He has a smoother. He had a smoother uh, motion for sure.
0: But yes, that's the thing is with the way baseball is being played now. Which I'm more of an old school. I want to see my starter go seven, eight innings um, every time out. But that's unfortunately not the name of the game anymore, and you have long relief and bullpens and that, and that's why, and that's a reason why I think the Dodgers still have not gotten over that World Series hump is that I think Dave Roberts just overthinks the hell out of his bullpen in the playoffs, and it yeah it costs him every time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this year is going to be super interesting because the, the, you know the sixty-game season uh, sh- certainly anything can happen, but. I think the biggest thing you're going to see is that when the postseason comes around, which I believe is an unabbreviated postseason schedule. So, you know, that's going to the postseason is going to be a third of the length of the overall year. And what that means is that veteran guys, the Scherzers and Verlanders, just to keep it with the Tigers, because they'll also be contending. uh, You know, they're going to be in midseason form and they're going to be able to, to pitch on a short rest a lot more easily than they would be able to in October on a normal year after 170 games. 162 games you know so i think i think the bullpen is going to be less important this year in the postseason because of that you think do you agree
0: yes the um one um let's see longevity throughout the season really doesn't matter too much now because it's only 60 games and the you're playing let's say you play five seven and seven you're playing 65 72 you're playing a, a total of 79 games so yeah, mid form. So you so literally mid season form as as eighty one games would be halfway through a hundred and sixty two game season. So you're looking at literally mid season form. So really, if I were a manager, I wouldn't really to worry too much about straining my starters or bullpen because you'd be in the middle of the season when the postseason is here.
1: No, I know, and I think I think you're gonna see with that some of these older, you know, some of these guys that you, we may have given up on. Might kind of see this as an opportunity to just go all out again, like they, you know. It's frankly the season's a little long. I, I love baseball, um, but 162 games is lengthy, man. You know, and these players are going to appreciate the shortened season. Uh, maybe not the. I don't know how they're working the money out. And I understand that it's a big business, and that's why the season's as long as it is. But I mean, 160 games is a long time. And the Tigers were playing 180 games a year for seven years in a row. Felt like
0: yeah it, it felt you know, that way and with yeah with the shorter season you're gonna see a, you're gonna see a lot more turn and burn if that makes sense. It's um, gonna be
1: intense dude. It's like when the NBA had that short that strike shortened season everyone preferred it. Players preferred it the fans preferred it you got way better games every game counted more. I think it's gonna be exciting. I, I, I listened to your podcast with your uh, friend or your, your contact who was the Mets cameraman?
0: Oh, Elliot, yes, Elliot Brown, yeah, yes,
1: yeah, and I, and I heard you guys kind of expressing your distaste for the sixty game season, and I, I totally understand your talking points on that. But I also heard you talk about how you've been watching reruns of the British uh, uh, Weakest Link or something. So Millionaire,
0: I, you know, yes, <laughs> we're,
1: we're all gonna. I think we're all gonna be ready for the the real life drama that's happening. You know, it just it just hopefully doesn't come at the cost of injury, and I don't I don't even mean coronavirus injury. I mean. Uh, Guys, not really. It's just such a different kind of season, you know. But that said, all these Venezuelan and Central American guys who really haven't spent a ton of time playing in the cold won't have to go through Detroit Aprils like they typically would either.
0: And that's you know? the thing that us Detroit fans have complained about with April and May is, oh, our our hitters aren't doing anything. Well, because it's cold.
1: It's cold, and half the games are rained out. They should just do all the. It's kind of a disadvantage, but they should just start the season on this in the south. Honestly. In a regular year I should
0: say. But yes, I, and yes I was I wasn't too thrilled about this mandated season at first, but yes. If 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 I was looking for good drama television, now I refuse to watch any of that soaps or any of that BS that you see on <laughs> CBS in the afternoon. But if I was so drama hungry that I was watching Chris Tarrant and British Who Wants to be a millionaire that tells you that yes I am ready for sports to come back
1: <laughs> okay dude we've been watching we've been watching for the first time so I these aren't things I've already seen but for the first time we are watching the old survivor seasons and that show is awesome I love the psychology and the sociology of that show but in a sports thirsty world, watching somebody balance a log on top of a stick becomes extremely exciting
0: <laughs> I get it i I was a survivor fan for. Many years back in the, back in the older days. Now I really don't watch it all much at all. Like Amazing Race, Amazing Race is another one I love to watch. And why
1: don't we get on? Let's get on that thing together. We're we'll like there, the odd couple.
0: There, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Amazing Race is one. But when they when they moved Amazing Race out of Sunday night, that's when I stopped watching because that was more of a, that Sunday night. Uh, get your week started. Good drama TV. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you don't really need to, it's not too heavy. You don't really need to focus on it a ton. We're, we're big fans of Big Brother, too. Big Brother starts this yeah, week. Okay. I, I have aspirations of going on that show. Um, but, you know, Jeff, right. you know who my, you know, who one of my goal at the Talk in the Attic, one of my goal interviewees is Jeff Probst.
0: There we go. I yeah. love that guy. <laughs> yes, and I, and, one of, my, one of my former guests, uh, Ben Probst, who I went to school with, I did ask him. He is not related to Jeff Probst, and he gets that question a lot.
1: Because so... yeah, everyone loves Jeff Probst, man. He's so good under pressure. He handles like crises really well. He's so, I don't know, man. He's impressive. Exactly. And he's also pint-sized, which there's something endearing about that as well.
0: That's true. Just make sure your tribe is not spoken.
1: Oh yeah, he if, if I would love to have my flame snuffed out by Jeff Pro, so I'm saying that, and I don't mean that with any sort of innuendo. I just mean straight up on the game. So right. if anyone's listening, get me, get a, go listen to a talk in the attic and get the the host on Big Brother or Survivor. If you can sneak my wife on there as well, that'd be great. But there at least go. me,
0: just make sure make sure it's after the tribe merge, so that way you get on the jury.
1: Dude, I would I would get to the merge so easily. And this is going to come back to haunt me when I make it on and get lose straight away. I already have my strategy. I'm not yeah. going to divulge it. It's my <laughs> own work product. That's
0: that's true, because I thought about asking, wait, wait, let's keep that a secret so that way it comes to fruition and nobody yeah. knows. So,
1: Dude, I'll get on there and blow it. You know, I'll get all excited and <laughs> act way too aggressively just like I've done in my professional world. It comes with good results and then it rubs people the wrong way too, you know?
0: <laughs> there we go. So, yes, this... The MLB preview has turned into dramas, yeah, television. But but it's dude, good. That's what podcasts. I told, I told you up
1: front. General, Sill, I'm the Rod Allen. Okay, exactly. So we can talk averages if you want, or we can talk about you know the uh, the respective height of Jeff Probst. It is your show, though. I'll let you get back on track. Sorry, hey,
0: that, it's it's fine. That's what that's what podcasts are meant to do. Is you just you just kind of steer it a general direction, and you kind of just let the wheel. Take itself now. If you're on, if you're on M53 or I75 or I96, you don't do that. But when you're, <laughs> when but when you're on an actual podcast, you know, you kind of just let the let the show take its own twists and turns. And so far, it's it's taking the twists and turns of reality television, which is which is good. Which <laughs> which is good.
1: So you brought up in practical jokers, man. I, I guess I that did. was off the air. It was I mean, pre-show, got, but yep. it's
0: it's well known from from people that know me that I know I like the impractical jokers. Got to see them at the Soaring Eagle, a, or once, and they're oh man, oh man, it, it's hilarious.
1: Well, how do they do? They interact with the crowd a lot so?
0: They kind of do. It, the show that I went to at Soaring Eagle was more of a deleted scenes type thing. They showed us a lot of deleted scenes that you will not get to see on actual TV and the, and they made some stand up too.
1: That's cool. That's cool. Oh yes. Yeah, oh. I mean, I, so let, let me let me force let me force myself back on track here. You, you can decide <laughs> to pull some of that stuff out of here. I don't want to be offended, but I think in in a 60 game season, you know, it, it's not so short. Do you remember Chris Shelton back in, like, 2006? That was would have been your first year. Chris Shelton hit, like, 12 home runs in April or something.
0: I remember you know? that vividly, and I was disappointed towards the end that that, that, that pace didn't continue. But
1: Well, I didn't it didn't continue happened. starting, like, in May. You know, I right. think he was in the minors by July or something. Yeah. And, you know, so by the time the is rolling around, the Chris Shelton stories have kind of fizzled out. And there's always mm-hmm. some of those stories. And with the veteran presence and the, the veterans' ability to go all out, provided they're prepared for the season, I think that the teams that were expected to do well back in – during the hot stove period of time, I think are the same teams that are going to have a really good chance to win here. Obviously, an underdog story is more likely on a 60-game year, but I think the, the Yankees and the Phillies and the Dodgers and the Twins are going to be the teams. You know, That's just what I personally think.
0: With Joe Girardi taking over in Philadelphia, the expectations are going to be a lot different, especially with that club. At least and Bryce club Harper's place.
1: aggressive, man. He's going to play with the Reckless Abandon this year even more so. You know, I think that's going to be contagious.
0: And I'm sure you've seen the meme, that's a clown question, bro. Oh, I love that. I yeah. mentioned Bryce Harper.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall the actual question, but I, I can—I remember it vividly. What was the actual question? Do you remember
0: I can't remember it off the top of my head, but MLB Memes has their profile picture of Bryce Harper uh, wearing a clown clown hair and a clown nose, and it says, that's a clown question, bro. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> so as we said, 60 games, it's going to be all out. I took an article um, from MLB.com. I don't have the writer's name on it. I'll give him credit at the end at some point. But he had said 60 games won't settle things, and it's kind of true. This season promised September chaos, even with a 162-game schedule. That's because at least 20 teams see a reasonable path to the postseason. Tigers, well, we hope, but we're not going to expect. A shortened regular season means that the teams with young depth, Padres, Blue Jays, and White Sox, for example, which the Blue Jays getting Ryu, I I like Hunjin Ryu, have a chance to rotate their rosters and play the hot hand. That further evens the playing field at a time when some division races are too close to call. So be prepared for a regular season that will have a few days tacked on at the end. Back in 2014, if the season ended after 60 games, there would have been three team tiebreakers for the second wild card in both leagues. That's a good point. So just think if that were to happen this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's... That's a really good point. I mean, one would one one would question if if there was the end season, you know, end of the season, the end games coming to play, and the strategy changes. Maybe that would uh, lighten the load a little bit. But that's a really good point. It might just be a we had a month of time tiebreakers.
0: That was a good movie too, Endgame.
1: I don't know if I've seen it.
0: Avengers Endgame. Oh, oh, good stuff.
1: oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did. You yeah.
0: mentioned Endgame. Well, that that became my first thought was Endgame. You have yeah, every. I, Jim have, Leland yeah.
1: starring as Iron Man.
0: <laughs>
1: Gene, Gene Lamont Ant-Man.
0: <laughs> you have all these. What did it cost you? Everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, dude. I, I think, are, are they going to modify the, when you were talking with Elliot, you got into some of the rules, but I don't think you got to this level of specificity. Are they, they're going to have to modify the tiebreaker rules somehow, because that's going to be a problem.
0: Yeah, I I didn't exactly see how those rules were ironed out, but the Manfred and the PA, and the PA probably said, you know what, screw it. Let's hope it doesn't happen, and we'll deal with it if it does.
1: Yeah, I mean, not to bring Survivor back into this, but you know, maybe yeah. worst case on on day sixty of the season, he just draw rocks.
0: That's a possibility, or you or you have your your standard tiebreakers like. Against the division or road games right. or against your league or something like that, like the NFL does.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now they would have to set that up for now, though. Otherwise, this is going to be conspiracy theory city when it comes around, and they're like, "Oh, you're just making the tie breaking rules like this because of the Yankees, you want the Yankees to win, and all the other nonsense that you hear all the time." Mm-hmm. The Yankees are going to be really good, by the way.
0: Exactly. Uh, except if you ask MLB memes, because they're like twenty well, seven rings. Yankees suck. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, all you have to do is look at their uh, their meme profile picture to get what you need from that site. <laughs>
0: Juan Pierre memes those dominated the mid twenty tens.
1: Dude, Juan Pierre was bad. What about <laughs> Neffy, What about when the Tigers went after Neffy Perez? He was kind of a similar underdog, athletically.
0: My dad, or no, my dad calls Neftali Feliz Fifi, but he also called Neffy Perez Fifi. <laughs>
1: You were, you don't know this, time, but you were just one vote away from being Fifi Green.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Some people calling me that on the air now.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, so who do you, so I think Bryce Harper is going to be the MVP. Uh,
0: The NL, it's going to be either Harper, perhaps Acuna, um... In fact, in this same article, the guy says, Ronald Acuna Jr. Will, win, will be the NL MVP anyway. Why not? Acuna backs games in all sorts of ways and will be a top-five player for the next decade or so. Look how he wow, filled up a stat old. line in the first MLB season. 41 homers, 31 stolen bases, 127 runs. He's also a very good outfielder, at, and at 22, he'll get better in every area. I could see it, but, I mean, Harper. Harper's in line for it in the NL Um
1: I, Trout's I, I hate to be the guy that's coming out and saying Harper and Trout. You know, but which could have been said the last seven years or something. But uh, mm-hmm. I do think Trout and Harper are the best players. now.
0: Trout's just got to have a better team around him. I mean, man, almost yeah. every year he's in the MVP race and his team is only winning like seventy games. It's like get this guy some help.
1: Joe I mean, Madden to,
0: hopefully will bring him that help.
1: Joe, Joe Madden's cool, but I hate. To, I, I mean, let's talk. Let's talk philosophy here. Sure. And even semantics. If do you remember when Vlad Guerrero was their best player, and they're not even they had such a good team. They had so many good players in that team. There, uh, uh, there really wasn't. Remember Sean Davis? I think his name was John Davis. Uh
0: Chone Figgins, I think.
1: Chone Figgins, Chone Figgins, yeah. You know, that team, those teams were so good. They didn't really have a clear cut MVP, right? right? Now they have the MVP, and they can't do anything. So is he really the MVP? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like money True. ball, right? Yeah. These guys that spend the big money, the Tigers got in so many bad contracts. They're still in so many bad contracts that it's going to be hard to compete for a long time. Um, you know, I think they're still paying Cecil, or, uh, Prince Fielder as of like 2016 or 17. They were still paying him. They were still playing G- Gary Sheffield into the mid-2010s. <laughs> he, honestly, like yeah. paying him out uh, because, they, because he, this, they whatever happened with his contract. He hadn't played for him in seven, eight years. He was still getting money from the Detroit Tigers organization, you know?
0: Of course, no contract will beat that of Bobby Bonilla.
1: <laughs> what are the details of that? I don't know.
0: Well, every July 1st until like 2037, Bobby Bonilla gets paid like $1.15 million from the Mets.
1: I mean, that is robbery, dude. That's Bobby, Bobby Bonilla
0: retired in the 90s, I think, or in 2000 or something like that.
1: <laughs> he should have retired as soon as he got that contract. <laughs> I mean, come on. holy smokes I'm sure he wanted to compete but Scherzer's contract when when people were mad about the Tigers not resigning Scherzer and, and also mad at Scherzer for not coming back to Detroit like I mean that contract he got from Washington was impressive and I think that included like payment for 14 years whether he plays or not or something something like that
0: and he has a World Series ring and Detroit doesn't
1: and he's gonna win that Cy Young this year too because he's gonna go balls out like he did when you know for those years towards the end with the Tigers. Um,
0: And that, yeah, that, that could very well be. So, um, uh, let's see, we'll, we'll go a little world series predictions here and then we'll, we'll talk a little Cy Young as well. And then we'll see where it goes from there. So any thoughts at all on world series predictions? I mean, and it's, it's kind of a pick of the hat because 60 games,
1: I really like the Phillies, honestly. Um, I think with their coaching situation with the shortened season and the way that Harper's Harper plays, you know, it's kind of a uh, reckless abandon already. I think it's going to be, I think they're going to come out to a good start. Obviously I'm going to preface this by saying, of course, injuries, etc. Those always yeah. can strike. Uh, but <clears throat> I think the Phillies are going to beat the Yankees. I, it's such a boring prediction. I, I get that. But that's also partially because I'm not as in tune with the nuances like I used to be. Um. So am I being, you know, swung by the mainstream media? Probably not because I'm not watching that, especially about sports. But um, I don't know. What do you think? I think it's going to be Phillies in seven over the Yankees. And I think Judge is going to strike out like 17 times in the World Series. There's my yeah. specific one.
0: That's the thing about this, the MLB of today, is that you have over 200 strikeouts but over 200 homers.
1: <laughs> You're it's the... crazy. It's crazy, man.
0: You either hit a home run or you strike out, it seems like. Uh, at least for my prediction, I initially thought the Dodgers, and it's because of their trade for Mookie Betts, as well as David Price, um, Clayton Kershaw in that rotation, but Price is not playing because of COVID concerns, which is understandable.
1: And oh, he, he just made that choice because of the contracts and the potential long-term effects of it? I think so. Nice. Well, he has that right, I guess. I'm, yeah. not, I'm, I'm always going to be pro-player because the teams are not loyal to the players. So.
0: Yeah, and you had actually brought <laughs> up the point that I was going to bring up was is that you know I'm not going to blame any player at all for choosing to opt out of this season due to COVID. In fact, if I was a player, I would opt out.
1: Right. Or, or enforce the bubble that they're doing in the NBA.
0: Exactly. So if COVID hits, then COVID hits. But right now, I'm going to say. Um, Yankees, Dodgers, and I'll say, I will say Yankees and six over the Dodgers.
1: Nice. Was that the series a couple years? Didn't the Yankees and Dodgers play a couple years ago, or is it my mistake?
0: They were. I think they were supposed to, but Houston beat them out.
1: I oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I would honestly, I'm a sucker for the kind of classic teams. You know, obviously in, in hockey that includes the Red Wings. But mm-hmm. even though the Dodgers are relocated, I, you know, it'd be cool to have Dodgers Yankees. I feel
0: like. That would be a classic series. So, you had Phillies over the Yankees. I had Yankees over the Dodgers. Cy Young, you went NL for Max Scherzer.
1: You know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. You know where I'm going to go. Just keep with the theme, man. I'm going Verlander and a surprise Cy Young in the AL.
0: You're going Verlander in the AL, which could happen. Um, As far as my predictions, I'm going to... It's going to be a 2 a two horse race between Kershaw and uh, Scherzer in the NL. My mm-hmm. of course, of course, my hope is that Hendricks wins from the Cubs because I'm also a Cubs guy. But yeah. we, uh, we know that's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> just to go contrarian, I will go Kershaw in the NL and in the AL. Surprise! I'm actually going to go Garrett Cole. Okay. He was.
1: You I mean, know, is, is that a huge surprise? That's not as big of a surprise as Verlander, is it?
0: No, it's not. It's kind of contrary to your pick, but um, Garrett Cole <laughs> wow. was a Yankee fan back in his early days, and now he's on his home team, the Yankees. Right. And I think it's it's going to just he's going to just thrive in that environment, and I think he'll be the Cy Young Award winner. I I would yeah. say even easy over Verlander. I, I mean, we'll honestly,
1: see. having the having the lineup they have, they're going to be able to put up runs too. That takes pressure off. Sometimes that allows guys to really really throw well. You know.
0: And with the Yankees, James Paxton is going to come back too because that was going to be a concern about that team was Paxton was going to be gone until July with some surgery. I forget what it exactly was. He's going to be back because of all these restrictions.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's – not to diminish or discount or or to – talk lightly about the coronavirus, but there are some people who have really benefited from it, (laughs) you know, in certain times, certain people in certain stages of their life have, uh, it feels like perfect timing to them, you know, and that's just more for me. Part of the stuff I talk about on my show is a lot Mm -hmm. of perspective and philosophical ideas like that. Like this is a really terrible thing going on. It's the, the reaction to it's difficult and complex and heated and passionate. And it's, People are losing their lives, people are getting sick, people are living in fear, etc. Uh, but you can look at it from the perspective of opportunity, too. You know, Because other, otherwise, there's always going to be something that, with, the, with the access to information that we have now. Um, there's always going to be something to be fretting over. Yep. And so I feel like finding a way to get the right perspective on the tough things is going to be the key to our individual thriving and our just probably human survival. Sorry, I got deep there, but no, I had to give some. I had to give some of the people on the of show course. a little bit of a chance to, to yeah. hear what, what what I talk about, you know. But I but I think right. that, like you just met, mentioned that example, you know, where that people are going to have opportunities to shine this year in, in sports, or wherever their career is, that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise.
0: Yeah, and honestly, with my even my job situation, I was getting real frustrated with um, the fact that I had to be at a radio station six days a week and away from pretty much everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then COVID hit and it's like, wow, I have a You're chance to slow down. <laughs> yeah, I have a chance to slow down and enjoy where I'm at right now.
1: So are you working are you recording out of your home studio? Correct. Nice, nice. You're legit in a bubble.
0: I I am. So I I tell people that I entered entered the bubble 10 weeks before everybody else did.
1: Well, yeah, you had to get in there and put your soundproofing equipment or you know your your sound absorption stuff up. You couldn't kind of just go in like we did, just right into the bubble. So, right, yeah, that's cool though. So you are exactly that's a perfect example of the of a, you know positive perspective on an otherwise sketchy or scary situation.
0: Exactly, and so um, a very good conversation there about MLB and reality TV and COVID restrictions <laughs> and whatnot, and the story that started. Excuse me. that started my career, but it's all in good fun, of course. Podcasts are, aren't meant to be just in one general direction. It's supposed to be a fluid conversation about whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, so you, you may get hate mail. You know, I, I may, I yeah. probably won't because you won't be divulging my uh, email address. But they may say, talk sports. You know, but I just there's so many takes out there on the sports. There's so many takes on the numbers. You can go to baseball-reference.com like all of us baseball nerds have been going to our whole lives, and get uh, Mookie Betts, you know, stats on Sunday afternoon games in warm weather climates. If, so if the, that information is available.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you, you could probably... The, the
1: conversation could... and perspective between two people is not available. So that's kind exactly. of take on
0: You it. could probably yeah. get stats on Mookie Betts after he eats cinnamon toast crunch. What is his average... There. Exactly. You know,
1: <laughs> it's so, I mean, it, it, and that's, and honestly, that's one of the biggest, the biggest thing that I miss about following the Tigers religiously, like I used to, is I'm a math guy by nature. And I know that makes me sound quite attracted to you, lady listeners. But,
0: What's but, two you know, plus a, two?
1: <laughs> well, uh, you, you put me on the spot, man.
0: Uh,
1: so <laughs> yeah. you know, so, but, you know, so I'm right. a math guy. It, exactly. I really enjoy <laughs> watching the tigers and kind of running the math the whole time. Okay, if Cabrera's batting uh, 300 in his last 10 at bats, uh, you know, I can say, okay, if he gets a hit here, he'll be four for 11. If he get, if he doesn't, he'll be three for 11. And I can run the the mental math, and that's kind of good mental uh, exercise. Once you're out of school, you don't really do a lot of stuff like that, and so right. that's a, one of the things I, I legitimately truly miss about sports about baseball specifically is all the stats
0: exactly and that's kind of how i got into it too is the stats and following all these teams and i just kept doing it all my entire life and then i almost had to be forced to stop with this job and sports said or the world said no or we're we're gonna get you back to it at some point i'll shut this down for a few months so that you can focus on broadcast and We'll get we'll yeah. get you back to it.
1: <laughs> well, i got to tell you, man, I, I, I mean this. Uh, I know you're not a fan of the mawkish, but I, I really mean this. You, uh, from when I first met you with your clipboard and your Michigan hat and your aspirations of talking Trent Robinson into going to your school and this is the way you carried yourself and your presence, I, I, I assumed that you were going to stay focused. You didn't seem like a kid that was going to lose his weight. You were going to stay focused on your dream, and as long as your dream stayed being a sports person, you were gonna make it happen, and it's really makes me happy to see uh, not only a fellow, you know, graduate. That's kind of just happenstance that we went to the same school, but really yeah. someone that I met and remember, despite our limited reaction. And I'm really happy to see that you're doing your thing, man. So keep it up.
0: Yes, and a shout out to Kirk's mom, Mrs. Diane Ross, for introducing us.
1: <laughs> not of the Supremes,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: yeah unfortunately to many a telemarketer telemarketer in my youth you know calling and is Diana Ross there uh no <laughs> hang up it's one of the only ways to get a telemarketer to hang up on you though is to fame <laughs> in them into thinking they have a celebrity on the line but right. yeah dude I, she she was when I told her I was coming on to do this and I also told her which I don't know if you've informed your fan base yet but you're going to come on and on one of my shows too soon yes um,
0: that was the that was my next question was we thought of yeah. this as a home and home, so we did this home. Where we, are you going to do the other home?
1: Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, in the coronavirus era, you know, home and home is kind of just both of us li- literally at our own houses.
0: Uh,
1: right. Not quite the same, but but uh, I'm I have I have shows every Tuesday and Friday without fail. Uh, the consistency is one of my primary goals of this first phase of the show, and I'm on episode 41. Was dropping today. I still have to write it and record it, but it will happen. Um, mm-hmm. And Tuesday episodes are really just me and original storytelling, some comedy, some uh, performance of some sort, a little bit of music. Uh, They're shorter. They're kind of more drive time appropriate. You know, you can get a whole one down on your way home. It's like 20, 25 minutes usually. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then Fridays, I have intimate, in-depth interviews with people. And the whole goal of the show is to be open and to share your perspective and to be free of judgment about it. And to really, for me, it was a way for me to confront some of the things that I was ashamed of that I felt like in my head everyone was judging me for, and, oh, he got divorced, all this stuff. And then I I talked about it publicly on the very first episode, and suddenly the problem went away. And I realized that it wasn't how the people, other people, were reacting to what happened to me. It was how I was treating myself about how I was reacting, about what happened. You know what I mean, Tom? Mm.
0: Yeah, and exactly. And if you you go back and listen to this show, I wasn't going to try to mention that, but... I I then turned it into a Saturday Night Live skit cuz I just try right. I just try to put, make fun good fun that is out of right. out of situations.
1: Yeah, that's what it's all about. So I think there's good good synergy on you know not only do we have a history together, not only am I impressed with what you're up to, but I we're going to have a good conversation too because I don't know a lot about you personally and you know we don't have to talk about anything that you don't want to when you're on the show. We we can right. talk about anything you do want to. Um, and It probably won't sound that different than what we just talked about. (laughs) Exactly. So, so
0: so yes, you were going to talk about um, when you told your mom that you were coming on this show. What was her? What was her reaction? Because we got so happy.
1: She wanted me to. She said, "Give him a hug." I said, "Do you not know about COVID nineteen, mom?" So no. (laughs) So uh, she she was really she she reiterated all the things that she introduced me uh, to you all those years ago the same way, you know. Oh, he's such an old soul. I knew he was going to do that. I'm so happy for him. Tell him I said hi. Tell him he's one of my favorite students I ever had. Uh, tell him this, you know. And so, you know, those of you listening that don't know Tom or Tommy, as my mom would call him personally, <laughs> uh, he's a real deal. He's off. He's the genuine guy. He's real McCoy. So what you hear is what you get. And all of us who have met him in person know the same thing. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk on here. When you yes. come to my show, you'll be doing most of the talking.
0: Got so sounds good. And yes, that that's that's kinda of part of the show is I'm kinda of, I'm kinda of the host that kinda of just makes sure things keep you know, make sure things keep in touch here, I guess if that makes sense. And of course when yeah. I come on to your show it'll be it'll be the opposite. Where kinda of like George Costanza. Whatever Maybe. I do, I do the opposite.
1: <laughs> that only works as we know for men. It did not work so well for Elaine. You might end up just staring at tires spinning around on a, on a display for a while. But, right. You know, I I have maybe a little bit more of a need. You're on the radio, right? So you talk yeah, all day, pretty um, much. I was finding that in my initial conception of the show it was going to be primarily interviews. But the reason I'm talking about this to to your in the show for your sure. listeners is to understand yes. what kind of discussion we might end up having. You can learn more about Tom, yes. but you know, I was realizing that I was really taking a back seat to the guest because that's the direction of the show. I wanted that. I don't, it wasn't about me. It was about the guest and it was about my ability to facilitate a conversation that led to something meaningful. Right. Right. And a lot of that I edit out. So I might talk for five minutes and you only hear 10 seconds of it on the, on the actual edited uh, interview. And part of that's kind of coaching and part of that's kind of leading and part of it's getting, building the confidence for them to talk about it by maybe sharing something about myself. That's you know, less than, you know, positive or something. And so as a result of that, to counteract what ultimately was me disappearing in the interviews, it was, uh, I started the Tuesday show and that's just me. So, you know, that's, could be part self, self self-indulgence, could be part selfishness, whatever. But I found that that was my way to let my listeners know who I was. So that way I didn't have to worry about making myself known in the interviews. So, so the reason I say that, sure, you know, you can, Part make part of your podcast just you talking baseball too, you know, so that exactly. these guys like me aren't stepping over you all the time.
0: And you know, it's what it is. I like to I I like to hear from the guests, and I always throw in my predictions every now and again, and it's so it's just a fluid conversation, and I'm I'm looking forward to the conversation that we'll have in the attic virtually, that is, yeah, uh, within the next few days or so. So good conversation here. Um, and I'll ask the famed final question that I ask every guest over 100 guests I've had so far on the show. Wait, wait
1: Tom. Before because I, I want I don't want to ruin your ending, Tom. Okay. I have a request. Let's me and you, we, me and you, for the virtual attic interview. This will be a teaser sure. to the gear listeners, so they'll tune sure. in. Yes. We should reenact who's on first.
0: What's on or who? What?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. I can, I'm not even prepared for it now. We'll do it for when you're on my show. Yeah. So that's that's some homework uh, when you're if you have some downtime, which I know you do know, but. Um, let's try to make that
0: happen yeah and of course what's on second so who's on first what's on second and i i kind of have the routine down i just have to make sure that i i'm up to i'm up to speed but abbott and costello yes making sure that we're we're in for that
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's a free form event
0: (laughs) of course so the faint final question i have for you is anything else you have to add to this wonderful tom green podcast
1: Absolutely not. I already, I already feel like I uh, took you off track more than maybe you wanted to, but I, I really am uh, appreciative that you're bringing me on. I'm super happy to see that you kept with your early conviction and made it happen. That I, I legitimately mean it when I say that's inspiring to me. Uh, for those of you listening, if, if you feel like uh, you had a dream that has died, but you still kind of have a nagging feeling to do it, take Tom as an example. Just make it happen you know, Tom, you just made it happen. That's really cool to see.
0: Exactly. Make it happen. Can't wait the Cubs in 2016. It's going to happen. It happened.
1: Kind of like this year with the Detroit Tigers. You heard it here first. They're going 58-2 and in the regular season. No, I'm joking. They're going <laughs> to struggle, but, you know. I have nothing to add. All I wish I could add is some. maybe Casey Myers will win the uh, AL Rookie of the Year. How's that's,
0: that? That's a possibility. That's all I, that's all I have to add. And I'd, I'd I'd like to see that and it's a very good possibility. So
1: He's wolf. starting in Toledo though. You is he know. starting in Toledo? I
0: I'm, I'm not sure. I think so, but with the way this this season could go, either way, anything is possible.
1: So I love it. Thanks for the optimism, Tom.
0: There we go. So he is Kirk Ross, and we just had the Tom Green talk in the attic, and soon enough, you'll see it soon, we'll have the Kirk Ross talk in the attic. This has been the Tom Green Podcast. Thank you.